Are gay people really born that way? Mr. Reagan. Today in America, in 2018, it's generally accepted that homosexuals are born gay. This seems to be an unquestionable truth, but it wasn't always. It's actually quite a recent phenomenon that this is just accepted by the public. In the 1990s, this was a highly contested idea, and before that, homosexuality was considered a psychological problem. What Jimmy didn't know was that Ralph was sick, a sickness that was not visible like smallpox, but no less dangerous and contagious, a sickness of the mind. You see, Ralph was a homosexual. So why the push to popularize the idea that homosexuality is an immutable characteristic? An immutable characteristic is something that you can't change, that's inborn. Your race is immutable. Your gender, despite what Justin Trudeau would have you believe. These immutable characteristics are important because, as a society, we tend to consider as a virtue the idea that one should not discriminate based on immutable characteristics. If you are a particular way and you have no choice in the matter, people shouldn't discriminate against you because of that. But is homosexuality an immutable characteristic? We're going to explore all of these issues in this highly provocative and controversial episode. Ethnic minorities, specifically black people, fought for equal rights to white citizens in America, and rightfully so. And they, and they won, and, they, and we have all the civil rights laws. Let's say somebody decided that they were going to stop bathing. That was their choice. They decided that they're never going to bathe again. And they try to get jobs at certain businesses, and the businesses say, well, I don't agree with your lifestyle. You don't smell particularly good. You don't look particularly good. I don't like these choices that you've made. I'm not going to hire you. The person may be perfectly qualified for the job, but just because of um, a difference in perspective, the employer doesn't want them to work there. So if homosexuality is a choice, it kind of falls under the same category. However, if it is an immutable characteristic, it falls under civil rights law, right? So you cannot discriminate based on sexual preference if they are born that way. So this has huge repercussions in the law, and so it is obviously in the best interest for the gay community to convince the rest of the country that being gay is not a choice, that they are in fact born that way, that it is an immutable characteristic. This is obviously not true. Anybody can be physical with anybody. Furthermore, you can just claim to be gay if you want to be gay, and then you can start to get special protections under the law. I don't know if anyone's actually abused civil right law and said that they're gay and they weren't. I assume that they have at some point. Certainly Elizabeth Warren has done this with her, you know, whole I'm an Indian claim. Which, by the way, the whole Pocahontas thing, Hilarious. Now, I personally have uh, met a lot of gay men who have freely admitted to me that they were not born gay. Uh, this sounds kind of crazy, but when I was in college, I went to school in Miami, and um, I was going to school in the late 90s. Accepting homosexuality as a, as a legitimate lifestyle was kind of new, and uh, I was still totally uncomfortable with the whole thing, even though I knew a lot of gay, gay guys. So I would just ask them, you know, about it. I'll be honest with you, I'm not sure I've ever met a gay man who I genuinely believe was born gay. Is it possible that some people are born gay, are born that way? Absolutely. For some people, it may be an immutable characteristic. And actually, if there are men who are genuinely born gay, I actually feel sorry for them. Because their condition has been utterly confused with a bunch of people who don't actually have the same condition, but who claim to 
because they want to or for, for some other reason. So when I was in college, I would ask people about this. There was one guy who was extremely flamboyant. He acted incredibly effeminate. He embodied all of those cliches. And he just said to me straight up one day, he goes, you know, I don't think I've ever met a guy who was actually born gay. You know, he just said straight up, I think every gay guy I've ever met is faking it. I met another gay guy who was absolutely convinced that he was born gay, but his father was gay. And a few years after I met him, he he eventually went straight. <laughs> He went straight. He he uh, he ended up getting a girlfriend. He's now married. He has children. Clearly, this there was something going on there that he was dealing with, probably the childhood trauma of his father leaving the family for another man. You know, it just it just goes to show that not everyone is gay because they're born gay. One of my best friends growing up, I'm not going to tell you his name. He was definitely straight. He was definitely straight growing up. He would talk to me about girls he was absolutely in love with. He was always trying to get attention from girls. He was a very, very smart guy. One of the smartest guys I knew. And one day, many, many years later, I found him on Facebook. And he's gay. He's also into Wicca. He's changed his name. So I said to him, I said, you know, I don't mean to be a, a jerk about this, but you were straight. You know, you were absolutely straight. We talked about girls all the time. You were in love with girls. He wrote back, you're right. I did like girls. They just didn't like me. That was his explanation. He was gay because he couldn't get girls. That was it. The guy's uh, father was also a, a really hard authoritarian type father. And I do think some of his actions as an adult were a sort of rebellion from his father, I think. But I, I don't know about that. I, all I know is what he told me, which is that he couldn't get girls, so he turned to guys. I met one guy who was from Germany. I was staying in a youth hostel. And the guy said to me, you know, I, I don't, I didn't really like men. I just am very aroused by evil. No joke. <laughs> we talked about this for some time. Essentially what he, his deal was, was that when he was younger, he found the idea of doing something he thought was wrong as incredibly exciting. And although he had no particular interest in homosexuality, the guys that were trying to get him to be physical with him, he was excited by that because he thought it was wrong. And so he tried it, and ever since, he's been being physical with other men because he likes how bad it is. So I've, I've, I've talked to a lot of different people with a lot of different explanations as to why they're gay, but they're genuinely choosing to be gay. Homofil eller blitt sånn? Jeg tror at jeg alltid har tidligst med å være annerledes. Du tenker du mer på et ønske om å være annerledes som ligger i bånd? Ja, jeg tror at jeg er så ihuga individualist at for meg så var det ikke nok å være hetero. Så på en måte så kan man velge sin legning? Yeah, so, so why is it why is it generally that people might become gay? I I think I think some people endure a lot of trauma. You know, they may they may be sexually abused as a child or something like that. Trauma is a difficult thing to deal with as human beings. We have to find ways to guard ourselves against these things. They can turn into psychological problems and psychological problems express themselves in a variety of different ways now in america it tends to be taboo to suggest that maybe gay people are crazy right the sickness of the mind actually three of my very best friends here in los angeles are gay men i should say that 
I have no lack of respect for them. They're really good people. Whether or not they were born gay, I, I don't try to delve into their psychology just because I value their friendship so much. But in general, I think that it is important to talk about these things, to think about these things. Look, the reality is that there may be some people who are born that way, but it's probably an incredibly small percentage of the population. Think about people with both genitalia, you know, the hermaphrodite thing. I think that hermaphrodite is the wrong word. It's like, what, 0.000001% of the population? I imagine that homosexuality is something similar to that in terms of the number of people who are actually born gay. There is also a theory that we're all on some kind of a spectrum. I don't really buy that either. There's all this idea that you, you find you know, bisexuality, uh, homosexuality in nature. It's not really true. Animals start to behave in completely unusual ways when in incredibly unusual circumstances. But that's not to say that they naturally are gay or they're naturally attracted to uh, the same gender. So is homosexuality a psychosis? It's possible. There is, of course, an attempt uh, by the media to normalize homosexuality. You know, um, gay families are just the same as straight families, etc., etc., etc. Now, in the 1990s, um, there was definitely a push against uh, not only gay rights, but um, just the idea that homosexuality was acceptable in general. We've now kind of eased back on that, especially amongst Christian conservatives. There was quite a bit of bullying of the homosexual community from Christian conservatives. And I don't think that's particularly good for anyone, specifically because Christianity is supposed to be about loving people despite the fact that they might do something that you don't approve of or you think is sinful. So this wasn't very Christian-like of the Christians. That said, I, I don't necessarily think it was completely unprovoked. If you go to Toronto, the gay street is Church Street. If you go to New York, I know of at least one abandoned church that they've turned into a gay club. The most popular gay club in Los Angeles is called The Abbey. They do like to use Christian terminology with regard to gay culture, and I do think that that is kind of F.U. to the conservatives, to Christianity. So the idea that, like, all the homosexual community, they're all victims, come on. I mean, there's definitely some antagonism there as well. I've talked to people about this, especially in the 80s and 90s, and even up until today. You'll see in gay parades, gay men running around completely naked. You know, there's a lot of phallic imagery. It's pretty disgusting. And so I, I do think that the religious right was not simply anti-gay. I think that they were against the promiscuous lifestyle of that community. I think they still are. I think the idea of promiscuous sex is considered particularly disturbing to, you know, the hardcore Christian community in the, in the United States. And I think that's a fair value to have. I think that just to dismiss them as irrationally religious people is inappropriate. I do think that it's worth talking about. There's a whole movement of, like, sexologists and these people. I was in college and this woman comes in and she says, you know, we shouldn't giggle when we say the word sex. We shouldn't act as if it's a bad word. The word sex is great. You should say it. Sex, 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 right? The more she talked about it, the more I realized she was devaluing everything about sex. And it got me thinking, why would somebody want to debase sexuality in such a way? And I realized that there are some people who I do think have had some kind of traumatic experiences in their life with regard to sex. And they've got to kind of nullify the power of sex. Because sex is a very, very powerful thing. Um, and it's a very special thing. And it's a very good thing, uh, I think. And if you've taken that very powerful, very positive, very important thing, and you've endured some kind of trauma related to that, 
you no longer want it to be powerful because it's no longer good. It's, it's actually a very hurtful thing in your life. And so I think a lot of these sexologists and people that try to debase sex and, and make it, you know, make like lots of crude sexual jokes, they're the kinds of people who have to reduce the value of sex because they need to reduce the impact of the trauma that they've endured. But that's not really fair for the rest of us. If I haven't really had any kind of sexual trauma, I want to enjoy being physical with the woman in my life without it being debased by these people in popular culture. You know, to me, it's it's perfectly fine to elevate sexuality to a level where you don't want to talk about it. The whole idea of sex is elevated if you don't talk about it that much. My girlfriend and I disagree about this quite a bit. <laughs> she likes to talk about sex way more than I do. I just like to do it. I don't like to talk about it. And different people have different ideas about this. Like, to me, to me, this is actually a, a pretty good idea. I think historically, in societies with the highest standards of morality, they will avoid talking about sex, having promiscuous sex. They elevate sex as something that's special. And we debase it in our society more, I think, than we should. And I think it leads to a lot of psychological trauma. I think it leads to a lot of psychoses. And a lot of the problems that we have in our society, I think, are due to the debasing of sex. Homophobia, right? There's this idea that people are hateful of gays. I don't know how many people out there are really hateful of gays. I know there are are some. I specifically know about the whole Muslim situation where they'll kill gays. Um, we don't tend to do that in our country. I know it's happened in the past by, you know, crazy people. But for the most part, we tend not to be that insane. But what is homophobia? So here's my take on homophobia and a distaste of homosexuality. I think it's okay to have a distaste of homosexuality. And, and this is why I think I think that. I have some very strong um, sort of fraternal relationships, heterosexual male relationships with guys that I dearly love. They're very important people to me. And those bonds, those friendships are incredibly, incredibly important. It's a very similar relationship that I have with my brothers or my father. My best friends, my best male friends, those relationships are incredibly important. Now, my romantic relationships that I've had in the past and I have currently are also incredibly important. And those go along with my, obviously, my physical relationships with women. Those are incredibly important. Now, now both of these kinds of relationships are important, but both of these kind of relationships are completely separate. However, men and women are both human beings. They're both people. They can both be touched. And therefore, the possibility of those two things somehow mixing together exists. I think as a straight guy, traditionally, in the past several hundred years, most guys wouldn't even consider something like that. But as the popularity of homosexuality has risen, it's become more acceptable in society, we do have to think about it quite a lot. It's in popular culture all the time. Pretty much every single show on ABC or the CW has some kind of homosexual relationship. So it is it is sort of in our face a lot. And I would say that the mixing of those two kinds of relationships does elicit a disgust response. Now, the idea of disgust is often something that people have looked at as like immature or childish. I don't think that it is immature. I think that it's a natural condition of being a human being. Jordan Peterson has brought to the attention of the masses a researcher by the name of Jonathan Haidt. Jonathan Haidt has done a lot of research into 
disgust, the disgust mechanism in human beings. I don't think that that's really been done before. I don't think anyone has really just consciously acknowledged this attribute of the human condition as valuable or natural. Morality is often about menstruation and food and sex and who you're having sex with and how you handle corpses. And I thought this was very strange and nobody in psychology was talking about this. When our ancestors came down out of the trees, lived on the ground in very dense groups, suddenly parasites and exchanging microbes is much more serious than when you live in small groups that are largely arboreal. We first went to scavenging. We actually um, ate meat off of carcasses, which is very disease-ridden. So we're exposing ourselves to vast numbers of new toxins. But as our diet is improving, our brains are getting bigger, we have the capacity to keep track of things that no other animal can keep track of, like the history of something, what it touched before you got it. So the emotion of disgust emerges. We become more cultural and creative creatures, and as we start creating moral orders, we're weaving them out of all these other emotions and systems that we have, and so disgust expands to be not just a guardian of the mouth, but a guardian of the body more generally, and of course sex is the other big place where we're putting things into our bodies, we're exposing ourselves to vast numbers of microbes and bacteria. So disgust expands from a guardian of the mouth to being a guardian of the body more generally. And then from there, it's just ready-made to become a guardian of the social and moral order. Anger makes us want to punish or kill or use force. Disgust makes us want to close off and separate. And there are many social problems which that's appropriate when people have bad ideas. Every society I've studied, whatever emotional words they use to describe cockroaches and dirty stuff, they also begin to use that to describe moral violations. So we're creative, symbolic species, and we begin to use disgust to structure our moral worlds. Until really the 20th century, it begins to fade out a little bit. The world that we live in, it's been called the first fully desacralized world ever devised by human beings. Modern, Western, wealthy, educated people live in a world in which disgust plays a much lower role than it does throughout human history and across cultures. My colleagues and I and other researchers have done research uh, to measure disgust sensitivity. People are high on it tend to be conservative. Um, Also, if you disgust people or you activate ideas of disgust, they get more conservative and they get more homophobic. So there's clearly a link between your disgust sensitivity and your moral judgment about culture war issues. The fact that we find people who have horrific diseases gross and icky helps to keep us away from those people and contracting that kind of disease. This is accepted as normal and natural. However, being disgusted by homosexuality is considered bigoted, which is insane. Let's use food as an analogy. I love steak. It's probably my favorite food. Very savory. Then you have ice cream. Also incredibly delicious, very different than steak. Imagine that somebody brings you the most delicious steak you've ever seen and puts it on your plate. You eat it, incredible experience. A few minutes later, they bring in the most delicious ice cream, whatever your favorite flavor is. The guy across from you decides that he is going to take his steak, cut it into little pieces, bring in the ice cream, and mix the steak inside the ice cream. Steak ice cream. Most people would be disgusted by this. This would evoke the disgust response. In the same way, mixing our fraternal male relationships with our romantic female relationships as men, most straight guys find that kind of mixing incredibly off-putting. Disgusting, you might say. So when somebody thinks that being gay is gross, they don't think being gay is gross just because they're some kind of a bigot. Now, that's not to say that you should bully gay people, and I think that that's the fear here. The reason a lot of society just accepts unquestioningly that homosexuals are born gay, that it's wrong to find homosexuality gross, or to think that it's wrong is somehow bigoted. The reason that society accepts these 
I think, incorrect notions is because they think that if we permit people to be disgusted by homosexuality, that it'll lead to some kind of harassment or negative consequence for homosexuals. I do think that we should treat everyone with respect, even if we do find that it's harmful to society. And I think that there are, there are arguments to be had for that. These people are still human beings, and they deserve our respect. We can disagree about things politically. We can disagree about lifestyle choices, but let's not delude ourselves into thinking that every homosexual is born gay. We need to accept the reality that a lot of homosexuals just choose to be gay. For a long time, there's been a stigma against research into homosexuality. I think that stigma should end. I think there should be research into it. I think researchers should investigate homosexuality with the understanding that some people simply are not born gay. Because rationally, it doesn't make sense that everybody would be born gay. It doesn't make sense. So that's it. We need to face reality as it is, at the same time, respecting one another. All right, that's it for me. If you like this video, hit the like button. If you want to see more videos like this, please subscribe. And if you hate me, I'm sorry, I can't help it. I was born this way. Good night. Things will be done neither because of nor in spite of any of the differences between us. Ethnic differences or racial differences, whatever they may be, that we will have total equal opportunity for all people, and I would do everything I could in my power to bring that about.